0: Hey everybody, welcome to episode number 33 of the Movement as Medicine podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Carr, and today my guest is my good friend, Justin Kegley. Um, Justin is a guy that I've known for a while now through CFSC and through the Perform Better community. Um, And him and his wife, Teresa, have a gym in Rockford, Illinois, called Movement Fitness. Um, And one of the reasons I really like Justin and Teresa is they really do this. Um, you know, he's someone who's kind of started to build his name in the fitness industry uh, through writing, through speaking, and just putting out great material in general. But I l- always can tell they're grounded in the fact that they really run a fitness business. That's very similar to ours. When I, I mean, I've never been there, but on the outside looking in, seems very similar to what we do at MBSC. And those are the people I like to look to um, to learn from because. Ultimately, they're the people that are really in the trenches coaching every day. And, like, you know, the things that they share are rooted in their practical application. So, um, they're really doing great things. I've seen this business grow um, over the past few years. They seem to be doing great out there. And recently, um, Justin just put out a, a second book, right? Your second book, correct? Yeah. Um, Absolutely. High Performance Nutrition for High School Athletes. And it's funny because um, just yesterday, actually, Uh, we had a physical therapy clinic come in talking about, they have this athlete for life program where they're talking for kids and adults and like looking at the whole well-rounded approach to building an athlete for life at all levels. And, you know, they talked about the typical things we know, training recovery, but they talked a lot about the lifestyle aspects as well. And and that's always the hardest thing. If you're a strength coach or physical therapist or uh, sport coach, listening to this, Those are the hardest things to coach, nutrition, sleep, recovery, the psychology aspect um, of developing an athlete or developing a person in general. And so Justin sent me this book a little while back when it was first coming out. And I really um, enjoyed it because it's really, again, rooted in the practical application of talking to kids about nutrition and about even starting the first chapter about the mindset around being successful. Um, And what's funny about it is, although it's titled High Performance Nutrition for High School Athletes, it could be High Performance Nutrition for Everybody. (laughs) Because (laughs) in reality, we talk about the nutrition education that we do at MBSC. And the lessons are very similar that I talk to with the adults as I talk to the kids. And what's important is you start with real, tangible, actionable activities in the basics. Because most people don't have a handle on even basic nutrition understanding. Um and that's why I I like the book is because I know that you're doing this every day and these are the conversations you have to have. And so kind of in doing this podcast, I definitely want to talk a lot about some of the big things that are in the book. Um, And then also kind of talk about not just for kids, but for adults. I know right now that we're doing a live podcast. My um MBSC elite group training is able to attend this, ask questions in The majority, I would say almost all of the people in the group are performance coaches, personal trainers, fitness enthusiasts, Um, and these lessons apply to them and also to their clients kind of of all levels. And so I thought this would be a really good option, Um, not only to shine a light on you and all the great things you're doing, but kind of get into some of these topics. So, um, well, that was a long intro, but thank you uh, for taking the time to come on here. It's always good to see you. Um, And so, yeah, um, thanks for being on here
1: absolutely well I appreciate you man uh, you know starting off in the fitness industry uh, you know 20 in that 2013 2014 time frame coming to perform better Mike was a big influence on me and even all the way down to like the structure of our facility and how we built out and then meeting you through the CFSC you and uh, you know Marco were the first guys that you know took me through the through the program and so that was a huge thing for me to be able to see something in person. And to be able to grow and just the philosophy that you have through uh, CFSC and what you guys have done has been a huge influence on me, on our coaches here at our facility, and uh, how we continue to grow. So I'm, I appreciate you and uh, I appreciate the fact that you guys, you're in the same boat. We're doing the thing and we're trying to figure <laughs> out how do we actually impact people in the real world. I don't have time for a lot of theory. Let's figure out how we actually make these things work.
0: Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, what... Just actually kind of starting this, even before we get into the details of the book itself. So this is your second book. So first, maybe tell people about your first book. And I kind of want to talk about your publishing process um, for those of you who are interested in writing. And so what was the first book you put out? Maybe tell a little people about the title, what it's about, kind of what motivated you to to put out that first book. Sure.
1: So the first book was How to uh, Be Great Today, How to Be Intentional with Your Attitude and Actions to Create Your Best Life. I'm a big fan of apparently having really long titles. Uh, but, <laughs> but um, you know, the story for me, it goes back to this. I felt like I needed to write it because that book was a letter to my clients. It was a series of emails and questions that I was asking. And that was really just telling them the story of who I am and answering the things that I think are important for them in terms of nutrition, mindset, training, and just trying to give them a guide because ultimately we have to make choices in our lives. But to have people that guide us along the way, like our job, you know, if you look back to like Don Miller and Story Brand, like our whole job is we're not the hero of the story. We're the guide, we're the person that comes along and takes them along the path. So how do we make something as simple as possible? And I know from my perspective, I started off, uh, you know, I was, I played college football and I did bodybuilding and powerlifting. But you know, a couple of years out of college, I found myself at 296 pounds, and I was not, uh, you know, a bulky 296. It was fat. So I found myself in a position where I just wasn't happy with myself, and I know that people walking in our facility from an adult perspective have that feeling of like I'm, I'm not, I'm uncomfortable. And so I wanted to be able to tell a story of going like, look, we can relate. I understand where you're at, and I've been on this journey. Man, I want to walk through it with you, but it's not just about the physical, it's about the mental and how we help you to reshape your mindset. And that's what Be Great Today means is how do we be in control of our attitude and our actions? How do we specifically go, look, there are only two things that we can control. You can't control your spouse, your job, your boss. You can't control a lot of the factors, the weather, all the things. You can't control so much, but what you can be in control of is your attitude and your actions. And if you take that approach, you go, look, I'm gonna, I'm gonna choose to focus on the things that I can do, and then I'm just gonna start taking action on them. It doesn't have to be huge steps. Start taking progress. No matter if you're trying to start a business, lose weight, uh, trying to make the team, trying to get a college scholarship, whatever it is, you have to start taking steps at some point. And so that was the point of the the first book was to really tell the story, and then to help guide people along that path.
0: That's awesome. And I, I like what you said about, like, these are the conversations you were having. And I, I always talk to people about whether it's as simple as making an Instagram post or writing an article or, you know, something as, you know, gargantuan is writing a book is that it's the conversations you're having every day already put into written form, which is the hard part. Um, but like the content was there and then you, you know, took the time to publish. And did you self-publish both of these books or did you go through a publisher?
1: Yeah. So I had a, uh, for the first book, I did have uh, someone that helped me public. It was self-published, but they, you know, guided me in terms of like how to uh, go through that process. And mm-hmm. so, um, so I did have that. And so that was super helpful. And, you know, in terms of all the way getting it to like copy edit and, you know, the cover and all the stuff to, how do I put it on Amazon? Yeah. So. You know, all the way through the process, because you go like, these are man, these are really weird things, and then it's yes. like, how do you get it on certain lists, and how do you get it to grow? Because it's like, you know, these are these aren't New York Times bestseller things that we're trying to put out. Yeah. Um. So it is a little bit different of a process. The second book I did on my own, I had someone that helped me uh, edit it, uh, and then I had someone design the cover. But other than that, like going through the process, uh, that was all me in terms of you know uploading it, getting it, and you know taking the whole process through Amazon. So it's completely possible. There are lots of courses and places that you can recommend that you can do like Udemy, like they have stuff that you can follow through and they can take you through that. Um, so there are lots of places that you can do that. I would highly recommend if you had something that, um, that you would go through a pub, you know, a self publisher. There's plenty of people that will do that where you still own the content and you're not giving it up, you know, to someone else. So that's really good. But, You know, also in, you know, in terms of like publishing a book, it's, it's a different process, right? You're not, you're not going to, uh, you're not going to make money on the book and that's not the point, right? But it creates the conversation, it creates an opportunity. So you just have to be in that position of like, look, what do you, what do you have to offer to people? And if you feel like it's valuable and you can put it out there, you just have to find the right avenue to do that. Yeah, and I, I wanted to touch on
0: that before we got into the details of the book, because yeah. there's so many people that think like, I want to write a book, but like, how do I get a publisher? I'm like, we have the avenues now in the world because of the internet, because of technology software that you can do this on your own. And like mm-hmm. you said, you don't even through a big publisher, you don't really make money on a book unless you're like, you know, at the top of the bestsellers list. And you're like through a huge publisher and you get an advance and like, that's not our reality in our world. And sure. so what you did is it's inspiring to me. And I talked to kind of our staff who a lot of people like, Hey, I want to write, I want to do this. I'm like, all of these things are available to you. There's people out there doing every day what you want to do, but it's a yep. matter of you saying, Hey, I'm going to learn, whether it's you take a course on Udemy or you you know, reach out to people who have done it before. And you say, I'm going to take the time to learn and maybe help have, pay someone to help you edit that those options are all there. And so, yeah, I like seeing, you know, people like you go out and do that because for you, it helps your message get longer, bigger. Mm-hmm. And this is something that will stick around after you're gone, um, Absolutely, you're put it into paper. And so um, I wanted to kind of touch on that before we kind of got into the book itself, because I just think it's an important thing uh, to think about because it's anyone who's listening to this, it's available to you to, to do that same thing.
1: We'll even we go back to like, I think it was Alan Cosgrove. I don't know. Maybe he took it and said it but it's like if you do 30 minutes of writing a day and reading you know within five to seven years you can be an expert in the industry in whatever industry you're in right but Mm -hmm. the question is when people say hey i want to write a book okay great are you writing do you write every day (laughs) because i'll be honest like the first book be great today it was actually almost Done because it was literally a series of emails and a series of messages and, and and stuff. It was just a matter of how do we organize it? Okay, we need to tighten this up, move these things around, and okay, rephrase that, whatever it is. But that was the process I had been writing. And so <laughs> that's where it comes from. You go, if you want to do it, you have to start writing. If you want to speak, you have to start speaking and doing and putting together content, those kind of things. And that's just the process. So if you want to do it start and then you can start to tweak it and all the details will come back and guess what i published this book and it made me better is it my best work no i mean i'm gonna write another one at some point and it'll just continue to get better hopefully and grow from there
0: i love that man and that's uh that's kind of going into the mindset piece i like that at the start of high performance nutrition you it's obviously like a perfect segue from be great today as you start kind of with this unshakable mindset idea. And there was, the, I highlighted this one segment because I loved it so much. I'm going to read it. Um, and I kind of want to talk about your, your thought process of putting this at the beginning of the book. And so the section that says like, how to build an unshakable mindset, focus on what you can control, not what you can't. I choose to, instead of saying I have to, focus on the mm-hmm. standard, not their feelings. Find a way, not an excuse. Know that excellence is a lifestyle, not an event. Show up every day, not just game day. Focus on being present, not perfect. Believe that every loss is a lesson. Has W I N uh, mentality. What's important now? Know that pressure is a privilege. Um, And so that's one of the little things that, like, I I was actually taking the little image that you have right underneath there um, to kind of put in my office for athletes to see, and kind of working that idea into. The conversations we have with our kids at the very beginning when they come in, because I think often these are battles that they're fighting, and ultimately, if they can't develop the mindset, all the other conversations that you're going to have, whether it's training, whether it's sleep, whether it's nutrition,
1: uh, are,
0: are going to be much harder to, to deal with. And so, was that kind of your thought process of starting the book um, with that specific section?
1: Absolutely. See, yeah, okay. because I think like you know the unshakable mindset. The idea behind it is. How do we build something that they feel rooted, right? And you build that based off of confidence. You continue, or excuse me, by building evidence in yourself to go like, I work hard. I put in the effort. I put in the time. But you have to know why you're doing that, right? So Mm -hmm. when you step back, I know Mike has done this talk before. He's doing it again. When you talk about Start With Why with Simon Sinek, big fan of the book. The whole, the whole purpose is to go understand why you're doing something. Because if you don't know why, guess what? Like, I, I want to work hard. I want to make all conference. I want to earn a scholarship. Yeah, that's really great. Well, guess what? I also want to sleep in and I want to eat pizza. and I don't want to work very hard in practice. Yeah. <laughs> right? things, they start to battle each other until you actually lock in and go like, no, this is what I want. And I keep that on the forefront of my mind. I'm going to mm. focus on my attitude and actions, what I can control. I, I think and it's easy to make excuses. We are having a conversation today with someone that runs a travel team in our area. And he said, you know, the mindset, it's really hard. You know, there's parents that step in for kids and they don't allow them to fight their own battles at certain times. They don't allow them to have conversations with coaches. And so when we step back and go, we want to develop the kid. It's not just about the sport. We want them to ultimately be healthy and productive adults. Mm -hmm. And so when you look at the people that stand out, your athletes right now, or the people that we've just, you know, grown up over the years, you know, the people that stand out are the ones that still have this mentality of like, it's on me. It's my responsibility. There's nobody else that's gonna do it for me. I'm gonna find a way. I'm not gonna find an excuse. And so when you take that and you go, I, I just, I'm going to own everything. Like those people stand out and you can talk about uh, nutrition. We can talk about hydration, uh, protein, carbs, fat. We can talk about sleep and all this stuff. Put your phone down, all these things. But individually, those messages are shallow and they don't resonate with people long-term because you can go, okay, yeah, I'm supposed to eat so much protein. Yeah, I'm supposed to sleep so much again, individually, they don't mean anything. But when you put it together and go, this is what a D1 athlete looks like. This is what a starter at this position looks like. These are the habits that they have. And that comes from the fact that they have a mindset that goes, I'm choosing to be as excellent as I can, to strive for excellence. And if you do that, you're going to stand out and you're going to have an opportunity to do something really special with your life to the fullest of
0: your capability. I love that. It's perfect. and I mean, they those are the conversations at the start of any training relationship at that start of every session that we kind of, before we go into nutrition, it's just like, listen, you're responsible for your behavior. You're responsible for the attitude you show up with. Everything else comes after that. And I love when you said, like, we're trying to develop productive adults. We always say like coachable kids turn into successful adults. Um, and part of them being coachable, like you said, is not the parent uh, doing everything for them and having the conversations for them and, and you know sheltering them which is what you see more than ever now and so getting them to be the one who makes the phone call the one who uh talks to the coach is is really really important um and it takes a kind of a culture in your facility or in your you know sport team or whatever environment you're in that you that you start to build with that and it's the same conversation i have with the adult clients who you know Mm -hmm. again they're like hey i want to you know you know, improve my blood pressure, or I want to lose weight, or I want to, you know, you know, change whatever it is about themselves. And ultimately, it's like, okay, you're responsible for the habits that do that. And I, there's this book, Goals by Brian Tracy that I like that I always go back to, and he talks about the process of goal setting, and mm-hmm. getting the acknowledgement early on when you go to set process goals to kind of get you to your big goal, and saying, these are the behaviors I'm going to be responsible for and engage in and have the person say that then come back around when you go reevaluate and whether they if they hit their goal that's the time for praise hey we did all these things you know you drank uh half a body weight in ounces at least every day and fluids you uh worked out three days a week consistently you tracked your calories whatever it was going to be whereas if they don't hit their goal we say okay did we do these behaviors and like being able to track behaviors weekly you can say well we didn't do the things we want to do so maybe we change the goal it puts them the onus on them and helps them start to assume some responsibility hopefully hopefully so uh, i think it's it's a vital thing to talk about nutrition because people always have these kind of big lofty goals of i want to lose you know 20 pounds or whatever but there's no conversation about the responsibilities that they're 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 responsible for in between there
1: yeah well it goes back to you know outcomes versus behaviors right when you think about you know hey i want i want the big goal you know for adults it goes you know, I want to lose 20 pounds. You're like, yeah, but I also like beer and pizza on Friday (laughs) and whatever. And not that you can't have those things, not that you can't, you know, find the balance. That's okay. But you you have to make some sort of adjustment in your life. And so if you don't have the mindset of going like, Hey, I'm going to keep the important things important uh, and focus on those things. You know what, for a period of time, maybe it's, we just we have to buckle down for a while and then it's easier to go, you know what, I can have a little bit because I maintain myself with most of my habits being good versus like, well, I'm just kind of all over the place because I'm unorganized and I'm unfocused. And so I think that's a that's a big deal is, you know, like you talked about the win mentality, what's important now and just keeping the things like have a present moment focus right? Not get distracted by everything that's going on around you. Go like, here are the things that are important. And I'm just going to focus on those tasks rather than the outcome. Cause if not, it's easy to get you know frustrated or distracted when it doesn't happen fast enough.
0: Yeah. I mean, absolutely. focus on the you know, six feet in front of you every day. Um, and so with nutrition ideas, especially one thing, at least I know we've found in our facility is like starting way, way more basic, than what you see on a daily basis, whether it's you're looking on social media, you're reading in books. I, I think what the disconnect is often in fitness and in, in health in general is that the information that's often promoted um, is so far ahead of where the average person who was probably coming to see us is. Um, and so that the, the behaviors we sometimes give them or the nutrition recommendations we give them are steps beyond whatever they understand to the point where like where typically it starts with hey this these are carbohydrates these are fats <laughs> these are proteins things that we take for granted they like that yep. we will do with the kids we'll say okay i want everyone to name off all these sources of protein name off sources of fats name off sources of carbohydrates and that is a struggle for some of them um mm-hmm. and to getting them to understand like hydrate basic things like hydration so For you to start that conversation, to start to, you know, educate kind of what do you tell either the layperson or the coach who's going to teach the layperson, you know, where do we begin?
1: So we always start with protein first strategy because our goal is we want to start to shape a healthy diet. And overall, we know that carbs and fat can vary over time. Uh, Obviously, as a kid, younger, you know, as a high school kid they need more fuel so that's a little bit different. But when we look at this, uh, I take from Dr. Gabrielle Lyons, you know she said you know muscle is the organ of longevity and muscle is built based off of protein and resistance training. So if we just step back for a kid and go, look, if you can set this up and go, we want you to start talking about thinking about what a protein is. Mm-hmm. So we talk about it after workouts. hey what we're gonna what are we gonna do after we leave here? Oh, we're gonna eat a protein. okay, great, what's proteins? Right. And so, and you have all the kids and they're, you know, they're giving that feedback. We just start with that, like start with the simple stuff, because like you said, if we're sitting there going like, Hey, you need a uh, 0.7 to one gram per pound of body weight of protein. And uh, you can break that down into four meals. And it's going to look like, you know, 27 to 32 grams per meal. And they're like, dude, I don't, I don't even know how to read a label. Okay. Yeah, so exactly. <laughs> those are, those are, those are all things. This whole thing, Kevin started when, you know, we just sat back from a basic, let's talk about basics. It's in the beginning of the book, but we didn't, it was totally unscientific. But I said, guys, I want to know what our kids are coming in and doing. So let's ask him like, Hey, did you have breakfast this morning? No. Okay. Well, uh, if you you know that was the earlier morning crowd, okay, if they came in later it's like, what have you done today? Well, I had practice and I had uh, camp for this thing, okay, great, what have you had to eat? Well, I had a granola bar for breakfast, and I haven't had anything since We're like, okay, it's one o'clock and you've had you burned like two thousand calories and you put in five hundred in your mouth, right so yeah. getting them to go like you don't even know, and so then asking, hey have you how much water have you had today uh i don't I don't know. Like, did you drink a bottle? No. I mean, maybe I had a sip or something. So that's where it all started. And I was blown away because I'm like, okay, we've talked about protein. We talked about hydration, but it was just, and we have great parents and great people that are supportive and all that, but it it just, they just don't know, Mm -hmm. or they're not executing on it. And so literally trying to make it as simple as possible putting it on little cards that we have that we can hand out to them and go like, Hey, here's what it looks like. Making Mm -hmm. sure that you're hydrated throughout the course of the day. Obviously the book was designated to go like, here's all the things that we think you can do that. Let's start with some simple stuff, but here's what, here's what you can do in order to just start to make sure that we're, do you drink a hundred ounces of water a day? Yeah. You know, (laughs) for most athletes, you know, we talk about like, okay, it's half your body weight and ounces, blah, blah, blah. But athletes obviously on, when they're in season, it's like, you're going to need more than that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, so that's, uh, you know, with adults, we go hundred ounces of protein, hundred ounces of water. If we can start to get people to go on those tracks, we go like, all right, that's success because mm-hmm. we can figure other stuff out with kids. It's like, Hey, let's start thinking about protein. Let's have protein for breakfast and let's have protein immediately after you work out. If we can do those things, get you thinking about it, Get you eating it uh, in the morning and then get you doing it right after a workout, I would call that a win on the lowest level. And that's, we're going to start progressing them to build the habits. Because then you go, hey, coach said I have to eat protein after my workouts. Well, five years from now, when they're not here anymore, hopefully that sticks in your head go, hey, I worked out. I'm supposed to have some protein. Yeah. Okay, great. That's a win.
0: Yeah, and one thing, I want to talk about hydration quick and get back to protein. Because it's funny that hydration is like the most important thing. Right, it's like the most important thing from a survival, like just a side of athletics or exercising, the most important thing, and everybody knows that, but it's probably the most neglected thing that people do. Like they don't think about it, and so, like you talk about starting basic, one thing I started doing with the kids, I looked, I said, okay, the average kid in this group is probably one hundred and fifty five pounds, and so I would bring in like you know bottles of water, and I'd be like, okay, so if I say each of these is like twenty ounces, like. You need probably a minimum five of these if you're exercising at minimum, right? Yep. And showing them like, this is. did you have this much? And they'd be like, no, not even close. And like starting with a visual, because like you said, I started early on, I'd have the conversation, hey, half your body weight in ounces, a minimum plus more uh, to replace what you lose in exercise. And they, they're the second I say ounces, they just shut their brain off and they don't hear anything. So I was like, okay, I need visuals. We always talk about coaching through visuals and demos. And I'm like, yep. why are we explaining this to them when we could show them and so being like okay this for like this this group of kids this is at minimum what you need to drink today how many of you have that no mm-hmm. hands go up i'm like okay so this is what we're gonna do what i would do with my groups is i'd be like i always have a group text with the kids mm-hmm. um or like the high school or college age kids about like just nutrition and lifestyle stuff and i think like, all right everybody they i'd make it fun of like everyone's gonna send a picture of each bottle of water when they get done today and then they were like, oh, so to them, it was like competition. And I'm like, there's no dumping out in the sink or anything like that. I want to see, <laughs> like, the bottles. Um, just to try to get them to start to, again, just think about it at all. Because to them, it's like they're thinking about, you know, the social relationships in school. They're thinking about practice. They're thinking about their parents. They're thinking about homework. Uh, anything nutrition or hydration related really is so far down the list for them. So just bringing it visually to the forefront for them to get them to value, you know, hey this is why it's important you're gonna feel bet, trust me you're gonna do this go to practice tell me how you feel after absolutely
1: well this is so that's a great you know using the bottles is really great we also go like all right look how many kids have one of these yes uh you have uh, a walla you know whatever water bottle you know all those things you go okay great and then tell them like okay you need like depending on where you're at 155 pound kid or whatever you go okay you need at least two of these right? That's 40 ounces a piece. That's 80 ounces to at least get you to a minimum level, right? Yeah. And so at least they can, again, like you said, with visuals, use something because our, I mean, our shelves are full of Stanleys and a walla bottle bottles yeah. right now. It's yes. like, okay. So it's like, all right, look, you need four of those. You need three of these. That's what it looks like. They're like, oh, okay. I can have that. And at least they can come in and go, I have, I have a very funny one-on-one <laughs> client that I work with. She's a swimmer. And she's like, I had one of these today. I'm like way behind. So, you know, then she tries to you know, get out of exercise or whatever, but it's like, no, let's go drink, drink some water. Let's go. So.
0: It's funny. The Stanley water bottle craze might actually be one of the better things to try to promote nutrition. Cause I'm like, you, yeah, you, know, you guys spend like $80 on one of these things. Uh, and you want to carry it around as like a fashion piece. Now, like you're dragging this big yeah. thing around. I'm like, at least if you're going to do that, make sure you're getting as much as you can out of it. Um, Actually drink it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So at least like you said, you'd be like, all right, everybody hold up your Stanley. You're like, okay, I need you to have at least a couple of these a day at very minimum. And so again, it brings it right to them. So take advantage of that. I also saw you talked about visuals. You have the same, uh, we have that same hydration chart um, in the bathrooms uh, and yeah. for them to look at. And the kids always kind of joke about it, but I'm like, Listen, this is for you go in there, you're evaluating, you know, where are you? What, what were your behaviors prior to you coming in here today? Um, And you're getting immediate feedback on that.
1: Yeah, again, it's one of those easy things to go. Ha, make it as simple as possible. You know, go to the bathroom, look down. What does it look like? Is yeah. that, does that check a box to go like, yeah, I think that looks okay. Or no, no that doesn't look okay. So <laughs> it's, it's literally make it as simple as possible. But again, it builds long-term habits. And so I think that's, that's the thing is if we can get those things into their mind now, it just makes a huge difference, but you know, it's always, it's always a battle. So try to make it as simple as possible.
0: Um, and kind of going to protein, like you said, we tend to always start with, you know, breakfast and protein are the two big kind of yeah. things we start with from a new, like nutrition standpoint. And protein's interesting because, you know, the people who might have a little bit of knowledge who are like, well, the RDA is like, you know, what is it, 0. 0.8 grams per kilogram? And they're like, yeah. and I'm like, listen, what you need to understand about an RTA is that that's the minimum, so you don't like die. Yeah. And so you are doing much more than that and getting, sometimes it's hard because people, whether it's culturally, they're not accustomed to eating a lot of protein. You realize kids, their parents don't make the food choices the way they're brought up. Like having, starting to have that conversation about, in reality, this is how much you should be having throughout the day can be difficult to have with people to really understand if you want to support your training, that this is really important. It's probably much more than what you're used to. Absolutely.
1: And that's, I I think, I always try to relate it back to the kid and go, are you sore? Like what is your level of general soreness throughout your life? Mm -hmm. And, um, I had an example of a kid, actually a middle schooler, uh, a month ago. You know, he's coming in, and I know him. I know him well, and so I know mom and dad, and they're like, he's working hard. Like, we know he does a lot of stuff. He plays hockey, he plays baseball, and so he's busy, but he's, like, really, really sore and hurting. And so we sat down and I said, well, tell me what you're eating. And he's like, you know, we break down the meals. I'm like, dude, you're not getting any protein. You're dying because your muscles aren't able to repair themselves. We we switched the plan, mapped it out, like, hey, here's the deal, like, eat this. And literally within a week, he's like, Yeah, I'm good. You know, so it's just amazing to try to get them to understand it's not a matter of you can't go out and you can't perform. You want to jump higher, you come here to sprint faster and jump higher and all that stuff. That's awesome but you're, gonna, you're not going to reach your full potential if you're not eating to fuel it because we break stuff down here. Like, you know, trying to keep it simple for them. We're tearing down. You repair when you sleep and eat. You have to take care of yourself in that way. And if you don't, you're not going to be able to jump. You're going to be sore and you're going to put yourself at risk for an injury, which ultimately is going to take you off the field completely.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And like for us, it came down to, you know, we, we may compile the list of all local places in the surrounding towns where we know kids come from, We're at here are some healthier, high protein options. Because in reality, I know a lot of these kids are going to go and pick up, whether it's breakfast on the way to yep. school before they train, they're going to go pick up something to eat after they train. And we said, okay, we need to embrace the reality of what these kids are going to do. Um, I would love it if they all bought protein shakes. We have a bunch of protein shakes. They're mm-hmm. not all going to do that. Yep. Um, yeah. And so saying, hey, whether it's you know Chipotle, <laughs> whether it's uh, a fast food place, here are the things that are healthier, will fuel you, and are higher protein options. These are the things we would recommend for you. And they really actually appreciated that because most of them leave and just go, oh, I'm just going to go to wherever and get, get something. Yep. To be like Okay, rather than maybe going to Chick-fil-A, maybe you go to Chipotle and get like a salad bowl or a rice bowl or something like that where you know it's a little bit more concentrated and so uh, i think embracing the reality for them and then giving them options where they can actually go and do it, it it is important
1: yeah and that was one of the things for me i wanted to make it as tangible as possible in the book too like i gave a bunch of recipes and you know for someone that's like oh well you you know the coach that reads this you're like oh well yeah that sounds great but it's literally the one thing that you're like, you could talk to a parent or you could talk to a kid, and say, Hey, you need your protein. Okay, great. I, I'm gonna eat eggs and I'm gonna eat this. But like, but how do I do it? You're like, Okay, well, here's literal recipes of how you can do that. Or, you know, when you're when you're traveling, at least it gives you an idea to go, hey, we're we're playing out of town this weekend and um you know, we brought some stuff, but we stopped at, you know. Subway or wherever, and you're like, okay, this is what it should look like. So at least you have a semblance of an idea of like, hey, this is a better option, right? So it's it's not don't eat this because those are bad. It's all right, let's eat more of this, less of that. So Mm -hmm. trying to put them, give them an idea of like, these are the scenarios and how we can help you to make better choices overall, because I don't, I think it's really hard when you talk about kids in high school in particular, yeah, if you do want to play at a high level, you should eat well most of the time. But you're still a kid. They're going to eat pizza. They're going to eat different stuff. So it's not about perfection. Mm-hmm. Um, but if we create, again, the habits that are going to sustain them over the long term, it'll make a huge difference. And we just get those patterns in their head. Awesome.
0: One thing I really like that you did in this that not everyone is willing to do is you came out strong on the caffeine front for kids. Because for oh. us, it's a huge battle. Uh, with kids having rat, rat stimulants, whether it's they're going to GNC or they're just hammering a bunch of energy drinks. I like that you said. You said, I don't believe anyone under 18 should drink caffeine, period. And so this is something Mike's been really strong about that we talked to the kids about. And it seems like in fitness culture, people kind of think like, oh, that's not a big deal because it's adults talking to other adults. Um, but when you realize with kids, I don't think they realize unless they work with kids that yeah. – the caffeine consumption is through the roof. Um, and the, these kids can easily go to a Seven Eleven and get a caffeine drink that has 300 milligrams of caffeine, which is outrageous. Yeah. And so yeah. it, from a health and safety standpoint, I think it's really important because you see kids that end up having, you know, health, heart related or, or uh, issues and results of the caffeine. And so I think that it's something that just gets glossed over a lot, especially when talking about training for, for youth.
1: For sure. Well, there's a couple of things when you step back. Number one, the American Academy of Pediatrics, they for they they say there's no place for caffeine in a diet for a, for an adolescent, but their formal stance is no more than 100 milligrams a day, which basically is like a can of Coke or whatever you know mm-hmm. whatever you drink. The problem is, is number one, some of the ways that kids are getting caffeine you know, obviously there's the, you know, drinking rain and bang and getting all kinds of stuff like that's one thing, but you see people like bubbler is, you know, a fine product and it's an antioxidant water and all that stuff, but you go like, it's a cup of coffee. Yeah. And so people are just drinking that like, oh, well, it's just a bubbler. It's fine. You're like, okay, I understand. You're drinking it at seven o'clock at night. Uh, You know, you're at a game or whatever. And it's just, it blows my mind that we're not having these discussions because caffeine is so well accepted for adults, but it's accepted because we don't sleep enough, we're tired, and then we get in this caffeine cyclone of like, I have to have some caffeine to function, yes. so I do that throughout the course of the day, and then what does it do? It keeps me from sleeping well. I don't care if you think you can drink a pot of coffee and go to go to sleep, you can't because it's a central nervous system stimulator. It's gonna, it's, it's gonna impact you, Okay. So, but it's so accepted in the adult front that you go, oh, I mean, what does it really, what does it really matter to kids? Mm-hmm. You go, okay, well, they're already stimulated with this. Yes. Right. So, and then we give them caffeine. You go, all right, well, if they're going to get some coffee at, you know, Starbucks or whatever, you know, it's going to be 300 milligrams of co- you know caffeine. Then you have all the kids that are like, Hey, I'm taking it for, you know, performance enhancing stuff and then you step back and you go well there's no wonder we have so many more mental health issues that kids are literally overstimulated it causes more anxiety more nervousness their thoughts are are continually going so they can't ever shut off their brain mm-hmm. so it just creates this terrible cycle of them going down the drain because they're just they're overstimulated all the time and so how do we get them to go, look, I wanted to just come out and be like, look, don't just don't do it. So that way, even if, you know, hopefully we'll make some sort of impact with that. But I but I really believe it. I look at my kids and I'm like, man, I know if they had a soda or had something, how it impacts them. And to see them like bounce and you're like, oh, my goodness. And we don't, I mean, we just don't do it. We, we see that with sugar, right? So yeah. And then, you know, most caffeine has, you know, a lot of caffeine has a lot of sugar in it too. So that's a double whammy. So yeah, I just really don't, I really wanted to be strong on that, because I really feel strongly about that, especially with the mental health aspect, you know, let alone of what it's doing to your body. So that's, that's absolutely true.
0: Yeah. And you talk about the sleep piece. And like, I always have these parents who are like, you know, my kid's up all night on his phone, he can't focus in school, and he's tired. And yet, the kids drinking caffeine all day and I'm like that's not helping right and you see these kids who seem like they're disinterested in school they don't have the energy to train and I'm like it's an overall like you said stimulant issue both from a technological standpoint as well as a consumption standpoint and yeah. it goes back then to the conversation with the kid at the beginning about being responsible for your behaviors and I always they always come to me and say hey I'm tired I don't feel good and I say well let's go back for your week What?" They we talk about sleep. I always say, okay, they don't even know how many hours they sleep, and I'll say, okay, so let's this week we're going to say what time did we go to bed, and what time did we get up, and then let's talk about how many hours that was. And they be like, oh, I was up to like one playing video games, and I get up for school at seven, and I'm like, okay, do the math there, right? You should be getting like nine hours of sleep in reality at your age. And I know it's not going to be perfect all the time, but again, bringing it back to them, just having to look at what they're currently doing because. They don't even think about that at all, and so it's like, okay, okay what time do you put your phone down at? Um, and, and you know, obviously, some parents are better at controlling those things. I understand it's hard. Uh, my kid's not that age yet. I can imagine for you, that's a that's a different battle as, as your kids are a bit older. But it's it's really really important because even when we were younger, like I didn't, we didn't have an iPhone. Right, uh, the most oh I could do is play Snake on the Nokia phone uh but there was no like internet in my hand so it's a it's a battle that's going to get continually yeah. harder for coaches and, and parents
1: but i think it steps back for us and i go okay look you know i came out in the beginning of this and i said look I, you know i talked to i geared this towards okay it's athletes coaches and parents but parents go look i i get it life is hard i have I have two teenagers and a 12 year old. So like, I I get it. We're in the boat. So we battle, we battle with nutrition. Like we battle with phones and all kinds of things. But at the end of the day, you step back and go, you know, just like a parent would be like, Hey, my kid's not eating well. And you're like, okay, but I don't, I don't buy the groceries. I can talk to them about what they're supposed to do, but I don't buy the groceries. Uh, You know, also having those conversations with parents too about like, well, why why does your kid you know, go to sleep with their phone in their room? Um, probably because most people don't think it's a big deal to sleep with their phone in their room. And you go, again, if it's within an arm's length, if you wake up at one o'clock in the morning, you're gra- going to grab the phone, you're going to scroll, and it's going to jack your whole night of sleep, let alone all the buzzing and dinging and all that stuff. And so we're hard on like, look, the phone goes in the office. I don't care what's going on. It's off at 10 o'clock or nine o'clock, whatever, depending on what age the kid is. But, you know, you just put it down. And if parents aren't willing to do that, or for whatever reason, we continue to talk to the kid about it and go like, here's why it matters. You can't come in here again and tell me you want to reach this level of thing and have this behavior. These things don't line up. So, Again, it goes back to us doing the best that we can. Going, hey, I've got this kid for three hours a week, three and a half hours a week. How can I help them? You know, get faster, sprint, jump, all the stuff that we want them to do. Get stronger, reduce injury risk, but also go. I want to help you to be a better human being as well. And I'm going to do the best that I can to educate you. So that's just part of our. It's just part of the job. Yeah, man.
0: Uh, it's, it's great. It's great. And um, this is one of those. Books that like we're going to keep in the lobby uh, at the gym as like a reference because our parents sit in the lobby read book read the books that we have and then it's a it's a great reference for us and so um, that that's something that uh, I I think is great because it's short straight to the point direct and it's practical and so that is really uh, I, I think something we need in our industry so so great job doing that and. What I want to do, I know Jennifer and Mary are in uh, the webinar now, and I want to open it up to them to be able to ask questions. And so sure. um, Jennifer, Mary, um, I'm going to allow you to talk over the webinar so you can just ask directly. So if you uh, have questions you want to discuss about, about training, about nutrition, about lifestyle, uh, you can raise your hand. I can allow you to talk uh, right into the webinar here. All right, Jonathan go right ahead.
1: okay, can you hear me? Yes, okay. um I was wondering, I actually work I'm a physical therapist who works with geriatrics, so not kids.
0: and so I don't know if this will be in your guy's wheelhouse, um, but we deal with a lot of um muscle loss um as our as our patient's age. and um but, I would, but our patients are also dealing with osteoporosis. Um, and I was wondering if you guys were aware of any research on the relationship between protein intake and bone density. Um, off the top of my head, I don't have anything. Um I know that I know that there's plenty for uh, obviously protein intake and things like sarcopenia. Um, yeah. But bone density and protein intake, I am going to research uh, and I'm going to look on Google Scholar uh, to see what I can find <laughs> um, uh, because I'm sure there has there's definitely an overall caloric intake uh, Great. For Great. relationship for sure. Uh, specific protein intake, I'm not sure, but I'm going to do the research and I in the show notes, I will share what I found, but uh, maybe Justin has some insights there.
1: Um, I, I, there's a, I just quick looked it up protein intake and bone health, uh, by Bonjour, uh, in the international journal of vitamin nutrition research. Um, so on NAIH, so it does like, uh, going through adequate nutrition plays an important role in development and maintenance of bone structures resistant to usual mechan mechanical stresses. Uh, dietary proteins represent key nutrients for bone health and therefore and thereby function in prevention of osteoporosis so um several studies have pointed to the high to the positive effect of high protein intake on bone mineral density or content so okay. yes would yes would be my answer My, and con- you know obviously at that age with geriatrics' so like you're gonna do everything that you can so i would Obviously, work in terms of like, how can we give them as much protein as possible? You know, the challenge yep. obviously becomes like, there's not much resistance or, you know, uh, training that we're doing, you know, in that area. But I'm for sure, um, protein definitely can make an impact based off of this.
0: Okay. Yeah. And then, of course, we do, you know, resistance training also, which yeah. has
1: a ton of research on its benefits yeah. to bone density. Um, yeah,
0: for sure. So I just I just pulled up one on Google Scholar, and there there is seems to be a, a lot of data in there when I searched on Google Scholar relationship between prevalence of osteoporosis and daily proportion of protein intake. And uh, in both sexes, the group with the highest protein intake had significantly lower odds of developing lumbar osteoporosis, obviously the area where most people see it, uh, when compared mm-hmm. to the group of lowest protein intake after adjusting for associated factors. Um, so yeah, I mean, there seems to be uh a a, some good research out there that can kind of support you know your nutrition
1: recommendations for that population uh specifically okay great thank you no problem i i think it's an interesting point though to go off of what jennifer was saying you know this is one conversation that we continually pound with our adults because of that you know those types of scenarios and going like The, the tone we've kind of taken is going like, look, at least 100 grams protein a day. That's what we want to work towards because we know after 25 that we start to see significant loss mm-hmm. in muscle, which ultimately has an impact on metabolism, which long-term decreases strength and power and you know ultimately leaves us in a, in a state of going like, hey, we can't live independently longer. Uh, and we're at greater risk of falls, right? Mm-hmm. So really like pounding that point now of going like, how can we help someone who's 40, 50, you know, even six probably, you know, early sixties are going like, you've got to do it now because when you need it, the likelihood that you can get it is very small. It's probably gone. And so mm-hmm. how do we how do we slow that degradation over time? That's a conversation we are constantly having with our people to go, let's keep as much lean muscle tissue as possible. We bought an in-body just to show people that. Mm-hmm. And you're like, hey, let's measure it so I can show you exactly you know where we are to the best of our capability and and see how that goes so that's where we can make that correlation of protein and muscle and hopefully you know it's hard to sell somebody who's forty to go like hey you need this when you're 80 uh but you know ultimately that's the goal
0: yeah and in the show notes i'll send to you guys too i wrote an article i think it was last year on strength coach about strength training and osteoporosis i had had kind of a string of women who i've been working with who would all you know osteopenia or osteoporosis mm-hmm. um in the one commonality between a number of them is that they were eating disordered when they were younger um and we know like you said as you get older it's much you you have bone loss it's almost uh you almost can't stop it but you it's again are you going to start your drop off from up here or are you going to start your drop off from here and we know for women it's a much sharper decline um obviously hormonally and so even the conversations with your, like you said, whether it's your youth athletes, hey, let's talk about your nutrition um, because ultimately almost none of these kids are going to be professional athletes. And so talking about the habits now because ultimately they're building the bone in their high school years and their 20s that they're going to take with them, you know, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s and and beyond. And like you said, it becomes a much harder thing when they're at, you know, a couple of the women I had were, you know, in their 60s um mm-hmm. that like hey how much bone mass are you actually going to add you might not really add much at all but you're going to be able to keep what you have and we're sure. going to try to support you to you know do things like prevent prevent accidental falls and things like that and so it and it's hard to sell that to someone who's younger like you said um but getting them to think about like you're building your body for all the things you're going to do after sports and and ultimately those are our success stories so i always say that the kids that we train I've been there long enough now to see kids I trained in high school who are now adults working in their group. Yeah. And you're like, that was a big win. Like when I see that, I'm like, that's, that's a success story. And so you want to try to get as many of those uh, as possible, whether they're
1: with you or, or not. Yeah, that's pretty cool. We just had that actually just had our first like athlete come back and it's like, all right, now I need to work out. Cause I'm going to the fire department and want to be <laughs> healthy. And She's like, she's killing it. And it's like, she came in for a post ACL tear and like, you know, hockey and all that, so super cool story. So yeah.
0: That's great. Uh Mary, do you have anything? Any questions? Mary's checked out. It's okay. Uh it's late. Um so uh, I mean ultimately what I what I would tell people, um if you are you know, interested in this book, Justin, where can they find your information if they want to uh, find out more about your business, more about you, uh, where's the easiest place for them to contact you?
1: Sure. I'm on uh, I'm on Instagram a lot. So at Coach Keg uh, is my Instagram handle uh, on Facebook, Justin Kegley as well. Um, so the book is on Amazon. That's the easiest place to have it. It's also, you know, it's in my profile uh, for, you know, on Amazon, so you can get the link there um but uh yeah i live uh i live on i live on the social media so it's easy to get a hold of me there just because uh it's great to communicate and talk to people so yeah. and that's both justin and
0: i will be speaking at uh, the perform better summit in orlando that's may 30th through june 1st in orlando florida with perform better um so i mean i look forward to seeing you there but what is your topic going to be what are you uh, speaking about down there
1: preparing the complete female athlete so that's uh that's been a topic for me. That that was an accidental topic. I had a, I had a female athlete. We, we had opened up movement fitness, and you know it, the idea was going to be we're going to train the dudes and uh, some football guys because that's who I was. And uh, you know when business starts, you kind of like do whatever you need. And uh, I had a you know physical therapist call me and say I got a girl's four months off an ACL tear, and uh, she needs more. She's ready to progress to the next level, so you need to take her. And, and to be honest, the only thing, Kevin, that I like, the only certification I had at that point, well, I had the CS, I had no CSCS, but I had the CFSC. That was the practical thing. I'm like, all right, I'm just going to do that and then I'm going to grow from there. And so it's become this, it's become quite a big thing uh, in in our business. We actually have an athletic trainer on staff now that runs a full return to sport protocol. Um, and so we've done that. And so that's just been a passion of mine that's continued to grow over years. And the girl that was 14 now or 14 then is now uh, just signed with the Chicago Red Stars. So like a girl that was like, had the dream, uh, made it after that. And so we just had success with uh, one girl after another. And so 65% of our athletes here are female. And so continually finding ways to go, how do we help them? To maximize performance, minimize risk of ACL tears and other major injuries, and build unshakable confidence. That's the big part of what I want to do. And when you see female athletes, you know, obviously we have guys here too, and I love training those guys. We, you know, helped them and had a lot of success there. But when you see the girls go, man, they, they take this stuff and they listen, they apply it, they get great results and they're grateful for it and when they when you have people that walk into the next phase you go to college and you're like look I can do chin ups I can do cleans I can do front squats I can do all the things that everybody else and nobody else can do I can do them all but all the guys are doing them and you know like the girls can't do these things in lots of places and you're like that's awesome so get
0: me fired so up you're preparing them <laughs> yeah. that's a so, lot our population is very similar i'd say we're uh, definitely over 60% female high school athlete which is, has been amazing and again that wasn't really what I think it was early on but it's definitely become that and so a uh, really important topic so i mean if you are you know in either orlando providence chicago or los angeles those perform better summer summits are taking place all summer in a really great educational and networking opportunity i get well, many of my friends in the industry come from just attending those things and many of my business connections come from attending those. And so uh, a really good educational opportunity. And um, i recommend you guys go and check those out because it'll, it'll be a, a well worth uh, the investments for the education and connections that you, that you get there. So um, I look forward to hearing you speak there on Friday. I'll be down there. I'll be in the crowd. So I'll be
1: looking forward to that. Yeah. I'm excited about that, man. So I'm a, i am uh I appreciate you, you know, you've been uh You've been a good friend and uh, somebody that I continue to watch as you continue to grow in your role, not only, you know, at, at MBSC, but also to grow beyond the fitness space, you know, to grow outward in the fitness space, to go, you're somebody that's got a lot of influence uh, just because you're doing it. You know, like you said, you're, you're doing the work and, uh, and just making a huge impact. And so you're real and uh, not full of fluff and just, you know, trying to pull the wool over people's eyes and all that. So. It's really good, man. I appreciate you. So thanks for for having me on and doing this.
0: Absolutely, man. Well, it's great to talk to you. Thanks for taking the time. Uh, Jennifer, Mary, thanks for being on here and um, see you guys next time.